0: Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. Last week, Luke and Oren were sharing about the life of Joseph and um, the things we can see in Scripture and possibly the things we can read in between the lines in terms of how um, Jesus comes and interrupts um, Joseph's life and um, they're sharing, I guess, resonances for us in the way that um, Jesus may come and interrupt our lives and how he he comes in into us and through us and, and things like that. And today I'm going to be sharing along a, si- a similar kind of thing, but looking at the life of Mary, which we actually have a whole lot more um, written about, um, tracking the life of Mary. And so I want to look at Mary and Jesus together um, kind of using it as a a doorway through which we can see um, the the spiritual journey I think Mary is one of those lives um, because we have you know a, a decent because she's mentioned often enough over a long period of time throughout you know the scriptures we actually have the opportunity to see the um, the inbreaking of God into Mary's life—we we ha- we—we're we, given it's a it's a privilege kind of to track how Mary and Jesus do life together over a long period of time. And I think when we have these stories in Scripture, Peter's another one that we actually get a long sweep of um of of looking at. It, it's helpful for us because we are all on a long journey together with Jesus. And like like any good journey, it's it never stays the same. It's never, um, it's always constantly changing. And that's what I want to, I guess, pull out a little bit from Mary's story today. The ways in which um, Jesus interrupts Mary's life continuously and the way Mary is invited to shift and expand in order to to continue to follow Jesus. So we're going to not just look at the Christmas passages of Scripture but look at Mary across, across the Scriptures as we see her. So um, in, the, in the Greek Eastern Orthodox tradition, Mary one of the names for Mary is Theotokos or Theotokos and that literally means God-bearer she that's that's her, that that's what they call mary because she's the one that bore god in her in her womb and in her body she's the one who who hosted the divine within her her inner self she's the one who nourished and nurtured the christ and um and it's an it's an honor it's a it's a term of honor that they give to her um recognizing that In very unique ways, Mary is a model for the life of God within us. And while Mary has a very specific and um, unique, I guess, function in in bearing forth Jesus into this world, in all different manners of ways, we could also understand ourselves as God bearers, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the life of God lives within us as well, and we are invited to co-participate in the bringing forth of the life of God in this world in the same way that that Mary did. So I want to start by, at the beginning, looking at and reading from Luke chapter 1, where we first meet Mary and where Jesus first interrupts Mary's life. So in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, we read, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth being Mary's cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin or young woman pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. (laughs) That's like what it's when the Bible does understatements, you know, like (laughs) it's one of them, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. It's, this is really a, re- a remarkable um, story. And if you sit long enough in this passage and kind of read through and think about placing yourself in Mary's shoes or, you know, read between the lines of the, the depth and emotions that are happening in this story, it's really quite profound um, but whatever you know, I, I, we're going we're going to move along quite quickly today because I want to do the scope of Mary's life. But for whatever we we think of this, the the start or the beginning of Jesus in Mary's life is undoubtedly a major interruption. This was not part of her life plan. She had a life plan. It was to marry Joseph. She was pledged to be married. They were in the betrothal phase of their relationship where the families are, you know, connecting and the future is being planned and the house is being built and all the things are happening. And then out of the blue, Mary gets a visit from an angel who says that she's going to have a baby and Joseph is clearly not going to be the father. Um and and we get this picture of this young woman who is God-fearing, who's obedient, who is faithful, who is open to God and not planning to get pregnant outside of marriage. Um, Jesus was a definite interruption and it w- this was going to be the beginning of what was going to be constant and fairly regular interruptions into Mary's life that Jesus was going to make. It was going to lead her or at least invite her on a journey of constantly having her mind and her heart expanded beyond what she could have imagined. Mary's um, willingness in all of this is something really worth reflecting on Um, and she stands before us kind of like as an icon of what willingness to God looks like when, you know, this announcement of this grand interruption comes into her life. Um, if you if you kind of look at the feelings that Mary has across this passage, you see she's greatly troubled, like she's disturbed. I mean, I've never been visited by an angel. Um, has anybody else? <laughs> I would imagine that I would possibly not take that in my stride. Um it's a disturbing occurrence, a perplexing, confusing occurrence. She is um, troubled by it. The angel says, don't be afraid. In other words, she was afraid. Um, she was anxious and fearful and didn't know what was going on. That's the only reason why angels come and say, don't be afraid. They're not planting the idea of fear into your mind. You're already afraid and they're saying, just keep calm Um, and she's questioning and uncertain like how will this be and yet despite all of these feelings being disturbed confused and anxious her response is one of openness humility and innocent willingness she has a, a a lovely innocence to her I think Mary we see in this that she's just like let it be okay God like let it be and I can, you know, in my life and I'm sure in your life too, you can connect with times when you felt God come to you and invite you into something and your response has been willingness, openness. I mean, that's why you're sitting here today, right? Because God at some point in time interrupted your life and invited you into a journey with him, and you said, yes, yes, I'll come. I'm here. I'm, I'm with you, God. We all start, I think, with willing openness, obedience, hunger, a, a, a yes to God. Everything from what we know and then what we read in Scripture about Mary's pregnancy and then the birth of Jesus, gives us insight, I think, into what it's like when the life of God breaks into the world. It comes with uncertainty, discomfort, unpredictability, surprise, unexpected goodness, rejection, risk and vulnerability. This is the Christmas story as it unfolds. None of the pregnancy or the then the birth of Jesus into this world, those early first days and weeks of Jesus' life were were they weren't just blissful and easy. There was a lot going on for Mary, and we read her response later on um, in Luke chapter two and verse nineteen. Luke writes, and Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. There's like this kind of deep contemplative response that Mary has to all of the risk, vulnerability, uncertainty, fear, anxiety and unknown that she encounters. She doesn't freak out. She freaks in, I would say. (laughs) She kind of like doesn't know what to do with all that's happening but realises there's significant things going on that don't make sense to her. And so she stores them up like treasure in her heart to, to think deeply on. And I think that, again, that's, an, like a, a, again, that's a window into what it looks like to, to work with the interruptions of God in our life when we feel the same things that Mary did, uncertain, insecure, risky, vulnerable, afraid to store things up in our heart and, and consider them deeply. Now, presumably after, well, presumably after Jesus is born, I mean, they, we've got that, you know, story of them escaping to Egypt and then coming back. So life's chaotic for a while. But presumably after Jesus, you know, moves beyond toddlerhood, we, we don't have a lot written about the childhood of Jesus, but presumably life settled down for Mary and for Joseph and for Jesus and they they go on to build a family and to settle in Nazareth and pick up a trade and make home and find to find village and connection with people and so you know it doesn't all stay when we when we track the life of Mary across time it's not all chaos there's like moments of god in breaking into her life and then things settle down for a while and get comfortable and predictable again before the next kind of like thing happens. And that's much like the spiritual journey of most of us. Like our spiritual lives are not endless chaotic experiences. There's times of long comfort and, you know, predictability and goodness and ease. And when we're in those seasons, I'm really grateful for them because they they carry us along in between those things that we don't understand. But what I, what I want to do Moving on from this Christmas, these these Christmas passages is now just then look at four different movements that Jesus made in the life of Mary um, and frame it in a way that maybe we can connect over our journey of how God interrupts us. So these next four movements that I'm going to talk about could be framed and I'm Grateful to Brian Zahn, who wrote about um, Mary in one of his latest books, um, for some of the language that I'm using today. But he writes that this, the spiritual journey is one that can be framed by finding Jesus, losing Jesus, refinding Jesus, and having to rethink Jesus. This is what we see in the life of Mary, really clearly. She has Jesus. She loses Jesus. She has to go seeking to refind Jesus. And once she's refound him, she almost always has to entirely rethink this Jesus that she loves. Brian Zahn writes. We have Jesus, we lose Jesus, we seek Jesus, we find Jesus, we rethink Jesus, we grow. I don't think it can be otherwise. Idols don't move. You can always find them where you left them. But the living God will occasionally abscond from familiar confines. We can never retire from being a seeker. And I think we see tracked along the life of Mary what it actually what the spiritual life actually looks like. What it actually looks like to grow and to make spiritual progress. I think this is what we see. Mary has Jesus, she loses Jesus. She has to go searching, she refines him, she rethinks him. And the same is true of us. So the first time that Mary loses Jesus <laughs> is when um, Jesus is 12 years old. And they lose him in Jerusalem. You're familiar with this story, yeah? Luke says that, um, I'll read it it to us. Um, Luke 2, 41 to 52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. That's really faithful. They were very faithful. I think Jewish custom would say you should do a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for Passover at least once in your lifetime. So once was the, the low bar, but we read that Mary and Joseph are going every year. So you can imagine that for Jesus as a boy, you know when you have those regular things that happen in your life as a child and they become iconic and nostalgic and like a genuine part of your embeddedness. So Jesus has done this journey to Jerusalem every year since he was born. He's now 12. This is the 12th time he's done the long walk. pilgrimage with his family and other people stayed in Jerusalem for a week or so celebrated the festival and then come home again so he's he is familiar with this but when he was 12 years old they, they went up to the festival according to the custom after the festival was over while his parents were returning home the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem but Mary and Joseph didn't know it was that he didn't. He wasn't with them, thinking he was in their company because they were obviously travelling with a large group of people. Um, and probably there were cousins and aunts and uncles and the local, other local people. There's a big group of them that have gone up together. They just thought Jesus was off with the other kids, presumably. Like this is good parenting, isn't it? <laughs> um, they they travelled on for a day. They get a. Day's journey out of Jerusalem, presumably they get to that night and they're needing to find Jesus. He's not with them. Nobody knows where Jesus is. Has anyone had this experience as a parent, losing a child? Like you can imagine what it's like for Mary and Joseph to realise that a 12-year-old boy is no nowhere with them. They don't know when, was he. did he leave with us? Did he get lost along the way? Did he go off behind a rock to go to the toilet and get eaten. Like we don't know, like they all of that panic that they would go into. Anyway, then they have to obviously walk a day's journey back to Jerusalem. So we're two days down now, Jesus missing for two days. It then says um, after three days, they looked for Jesus in the city of Jerusalem for three days before finding him. That's five days missing. 12-year-old boy missing for five days. Like, you can imagine what Mary and Joseph are feeling like. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Does anyone, any other parent want to put in any other feeling words? <laughs> furious like you know do you know that I mean maybe I'll just speak for myself when I have deep um, worry or concern over my children it most often comes out as rage Is that is that familiar for anyone else like you're actually like deeply worried about them but instead of running to them saying are you okay you're like like that's like it's just this deep rage anyway maybe that's just me being terrible Um, they were astonished his mother Mary said son why have you treated us like this your father and I have been anxiously searching for you and Jesus replies and I'll make no comment about his reply why were you searching for me he asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. <laughs> I'm sure if that's implied. He wasn't obedient before. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Again, she treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. For, for a while after these birth narratives, things had settled down for Mary and Joseph, become predictable, comfortable, good and normal. And then all of a sudden, Mary loses Jesus and she has to go seeking for him. It's worth noting that in each of these times I'm gonna talk about Mary losing Jesus, the person who moves is Jesus. That's an interesting thing to pay attention to in Mary's life and then in our life too. Like sometimes I wonder if we have lost God, often the rhetoric we talk about is what's wrong with us. But, some, but Mary gives us insight into the fact that actually sometimes, perhaps more often, it's God who moves and we have to go re-seeking for where he is to be found. Verse 50 I think is really key to the experience of losing Jesus just don't understand like even when we can kind of join the dots even if we feel God speaking to us often we just cannot make sense of what's going on when God has moved but again Mary's experience of you know losing Jesus refinding Jesus and having to rethink Jesus who is this boy what is he saying to us why you know having to reevaluate everything she knows about her son whom she does know is unique and wonderful she's had the prophecies she's heard things but she's still struggling to make them make sense in in the in life she doesn't know what to make of all this but she, again she 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 adopts like a contemplative posture of just pondering things deeply like i don't know what's going on i don't know who this boy is god what What are you doing in me, in us, in the world? I'll think deeply about these things. And then, of course, life goes back to normal and predictable and comfortable for probably about 18 or so years. Jesus goes back to Nazareth and and things are normal again until they're not, until Jesus moves again. And so Mary loses Jesus again. Um, she loses him when he leaves home and, you know, the, the, the gospel, each of the gospel writers kind of write it a little bit differently but the essence of it is Jesus knows his time has come. He, he leaves home and he goes to find John the Baptist who's baptising people in, in the wilderness it seems to be that once he leaves and goes there, he doesn't ever really return home to Mary, not in the way that she's had Jesus for the last 30 years of his life. He, he leaves, he moves, and he, and he becomes something different to her. Um, we have these, this um, indication in, in this, this very strange and unusual little encounter in Mark chapter 3 which I think we get another insight into Mary and how she's tracking with the fact that she's lost Jesus again. So Jesus has gone off, he's been baptised by John, he's been in the wilderness, he's come back and he's starting his ministry, he's just an itinerant prophet, an itinerant teacher, um, healing people, amazing things have happened. And in Mark chapter 3 and verse 20, we have this, these two verses that are, that are just interesting. Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. <laughs> and then the, Mark just moves on to then talk about other things. This is really interesting. Mary is Jesus' family. You can imagine Mary other brothers Joseph presumably has probably died by now they hear Jesus is left home Mary's lost him again then she starts hearing these rumors about this new teacher prophet then she puts two and two together this is her son she doesn't know what to make of this obviously this is not what she expected Jesus to do we don't know we're not told what Mary expected Jesus to be like or what she expected him to do but we see this tiny little insight they thought he was crazy and so they travel to go collect him and bring him back home again isn't that interesting Mary's lost Jesus she goes seeking him and she's trying to to bring him home and I think again this is a picture of what it feels like when we lose Jesus sometimes God moves and we don't know where he is or what he's up to. We have a profound sense of God's absence in our life or things shift and we feel like we're on unsteady ground. And when we have those feelings of like being slightly out of control, what is our impulse sometimes? Let's go bring things back to normal. Let's just go like put the boundaries back on. Let's go bring God back home and put him in the house where he's been comfortable for a long period of time. This is often an impulse we can have with, with in the spiritual life. Like we don't know what we're doing. We attempt to take charge of Jesus. Let's, come on, Jesus, just come back. Just come back to where you feel familiar, where I know you, where I understand you, where we're, where we're sweet. But Jesus can't go back. And so the invitation to Mary is to not control God, to let Jesus be Jesus. And to re-evaluate and re-understand everything she's understood about him. He's moved. And the invitation is that she might expand and grow and move with him. It's, It's extremely disorienting when we lose God in these ways. Extremely disorienting. God is not bound by our expectations. And when God stops performing or behaving according to our beliefs and expectations, that's a really difficult thing to navigate in the spiritual life. And I imagine it was incredibly hard for Mary, incredibly hard to realise that this, this God, this son of God that she'd born in her body, that she'd nurtured and raised and fed and loved, was just not doing what she expected him to do. She lost him. She went seeking. She had to re-find him. She had to readjust to a new understanding of what God was. Mary um, loses Jesus again in a profound way on Good Friday, and then she finds him again on Easter Sunday. And after that moment, she has to rethink everything she's ever thought about her son, about Jesus. I have not lost a child, um, but I, I honour the people in our midst who have. And there is something incredibly, I think, moving about seeing Mary through this, knowing that John tells us that Mary was standing at the foot of the cross as her son, God. Again, this... This boy that she'd loved, this boy that she'd lost time and time again and rethought and reimagined and rethought and reimagined is now crucified and hanging in shame on a Roman execution tool. And she's standing, gazing up at her boy as he takes his last breath. And I think there are times in our lives where we sometimes, we lose God traumatically Mary lost Jesus traumatically. It was significant, this loss, to bury, bury your son, to bury the one you hoped was going to be the redemption of Israel. One of the Catholic names for Mary is the Mother of Sorrows. And in the pictures depicting Mary as the Mother of Sorrows, she ha- always has seven Knives or seven daggers piercing her heart. And in in the Catholic tradition, they stand for the seven times where Mary's heart was pierced, um, where she lost Jesus. And the the crucifixion is one of them. But we see, you know, if you think about being a mother, being one who raises a boy, who loses, has to rethink everything, there's a grief attached, I think, to that in Mary's life that – is, is worth us understanding. It also gives us an awareness that, you know, when we are plunged into grief and pain and darkness, whether through ordinary, you know, just through the circumstances of life or even in our spiritual lives, Mary again is another window for us of someone who has walked through that herself and rediscovered the hope of Jesus on the other side. Losing Jesus, finding Jesus, rethinking Jesus. The last um, reorientation for Mary um, really was the resurrection and the ascension. And, you know, this is where it's such a gift to see Mary across this entire time because we get to see that she was with the disciples the whole way. Um, You know, in Acts Chapter 1, it says that Mary was with the disciples in the upper room, praying and singing and waiting for the Spirit to come. In all the post-resurrection stories, we we have none recorded that are personal to Mary. Um, I'd like to hope that Jesus did visit her one day, but we have no record of that. But she was undoubtedly there among the disciples as Jesus you know, appeared and reappeared and was forever different, like forever different. Jesus did not behave the same after resurrection. And I imagine that she was um, quite a profound person in their midst as one who both offered and received comfort, as one who had regularly learnt what it was like to have to rethink Jesus I can see and imagine her as an older woman in the midst of these young disciples helping them reorient themselves around this Messiah that they loved but lost and had to rethink again. And I think there's something beautiful about that. I mean the only reason we know anything about those early days of Jesus' life is because Mary obviously told them. She regularly told the stories so they could write them down. And so Mary has to, in some far more mysterious and expansive and elusive way, she has to rethink Jesus all over again after the resurrection. This, we see Mary having to go from understanding, you know, definitely this, this boy, this son that she'd nurtured and carried in her body and nursed at her breast was now the resurrected Christ who fills all things, who was forever Nowhere and everywhere all at once. And she had to reimagine Jesus. In many ways, we in the spiritual life often have to reimagine Jesus as he moves. And so Mary's life, I think, really offers us and stands for us as like an icon and a window into what it looks like to follow Jesus, into what the spiritual life looks like over a vast period of time. We have Jesus. Jesus will move. You're invited to move with him. That will feel all kinds of things. What would Mary tell us that losing Jesus feels like? Feels like anxiety and fear. Feels like confusion and not understanding. Feels like disorientation. Feels like anger. I put that one in because I would be angry. (laughs) feels like a desire to control. feels like wanting to bring Jesus back into familiar boundaries. Like, Jesus, you've gone too far. You need to come back a bit. It can feel like profound grief, <coughs> sorrow, darkness, death, and despair. It, this is what it can feel like when Jesus moves, when God moves, when the living God, who is not an idol, shifts. And then the invitation is always before us is, will we shift with Jesus? Will we be a seeker? Will we go searching in order to find and refind Jesus? And so, what does refinding Jesus look like? Looks like expansion. It looks like becoming on the inside bigger than you ever thought you would need to be. That's what happened to Mary. All of her. Um, ideologies, expectations and what she thought Jesus would be like were too narrow for who God was going to be and she had to expand in order that she might be able to include the the massiveness of, of Jesus. Refinding Jesus looks like creating time and space to actually think deeply about things. When we go through times of disorientation in, in life and in the spiritual life, we actually need time and quiet and space to think deeply. It looks like embracing mystery. It looks like not knowing. It looks like always being perplexed about what God is doing. It looks like being the one that actually moves towards God, being a seeker. It, it looks like learning to see again with fresh eyes what God might look like in a different context. And it looks like reorienting ourselves towards where God now seems to be. This is what the spiritual life is like. This is what I think looking at the life of Mary offers us, is this picture of what it looks like to walk with Jesus, to grow with Jesus, to be disoriented by Jesus and then re him and to embrace more of the fullness of who God is. And so I am really thankful that we see the trajectory of Mary's life over time, because it gives us a picture. Sometimes I wonder um, sometimes I wonder what it would have been like to stand with Mary um, towards the end of her life. And to say to her as the, the mother of sorrows, would, would you do it all again? If you would go back to that moment when Gabriel interrupted your life and, and said to you, hey, you're going to be the bearer of God, are you in? Would you say yes again? When you think about your life and those first innocent yeses to God and the passion and the the innocence and the raw wonder and the the abandonment that you have in those early stages of faith, maybe you're still there, but we don't all experience endless (laughs) innocence and wonder. Would you still say yes to God? Knowing that it will actually forever change you. It may not ever be what you expect. You may have to enlarge beyond anything you expected you would have to. These are just, I sometimes, I sometimes ask myself that. I ask myself that because I've just recently re-watched Lord of the Rings with Archie. He was. Um, we we anyway we, we rewatched it together, and I and I I mean Frodo is not Mary, but he's he's a ring bearer, um, he's a ring bearer. She's a god bearer, um, but it's a similar. The, the bearing the ring costs Frodo everything. He's never the same again, and he is at time when he when he says to Gandalf, "I wish the ring had not come to me." And Gandalf says, "Anyone know the quote?" And Gandalf says, "So do all. Yeah, so do all who live to see such times. But it is not ours to know. We can only. We can only. Oh, I'm quoting do Gandalf. Do what comes. Something about do. Do what comes. Do what's put before us. And I think about that with Mary." If she had known everything at the beginning about what it would mean, she would have freaked out. It's, it's not what God does to us. He, he works slowly with us. He works gently with us. He gives us long times of comfort and predictability and safety in between. But he always comes to disorient us. Why? Because he knows there's so much more for us to experience, so much more for us to love, so much more for us to embrace about the mystery of Christ. And so he's always inviting us to move with him. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you wanna check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza, a beloved member of Central.